20 Schemes is the church planting ministry of Nidri Community Church in Edinburgh, Scotland and Redeemer Fellowship Church in Bardstown, Kentucky. With these conversations, we're trying to expose some of the issues we experience in our ministries. We hope that with honest and frank conversations, we can begin to open up on some of the hard realities of church planting and revitalisation in schemes and council estates around the UK. In fact, even around the world. In this spirit, these conversations will be published completely uncut. I'm Mes McConnell, and this is the 20 Schemes podcast. Ian Williamson. Mes McConnell. New Life Middlesbrough. Nidri Community Church. So, tell me, how were you beaten by a guy with a monocle on a game show? <laughs> it wasn't just a game show, it was Blind Date. It was a dating show, don't forget. Ah, silly. See, this will... <laughs> Everybody under 14 is now thinking, what? Yeah. Blind date. Tell us about a blind date. Blind date was... Uh, you weren't expecting this one, were you? I wasn't, no, no. <laughs> it was a popular uh, Saturday evening show, which involved uh, Silla Black. An old version of Take Me Out, right? An old version of Take Me Out, yeah. Silla uh, Black was... Uh, a lot of laughs. A lot of laughs. A lot of laughs. Yeah, the nation's sweetheart. Uh, she was awful in real life. Was she? <laughs> she proper blanked me in the lift, yeah. She had lipstick all over her teeth as well, which I'll never forget. You don't hear that in Listen, the Listen, this is the yeah. sort of stuff you get. <laughs> you don't get these on other, whatever you call these things. What are these things called? Poddy things? Podcast. A podcast. You don't get these on other podcasts. We no. bring you the real inside scoop. Yeah, the inside scoop. So lippy gob. Yeah, lippy gob, yeah. So I went on a dating show and uh, there was three of us Two normal blokes and a geek, and the geek one, and I've never lived it down since. Unbelievable! Is yeah. it available on any YouTube channels? It least? is, yeah. I'll, I'll I'll give John the link so you can put it up on the podcast later. Nice, nice. I'm about five but stone lighter. I was going to say you look like you look like you <laughs> ate your own self on it. So yeah. People might not see. And you had hair? Did you have hair? I had hair, yeah. Nice. I had hair. Now, and, serious uh, question. Yeah. Who do you think's got a bigger head, you or Harry Maguire? Uh, <laughs> I've got a bigger kite. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he wins on the head scale, Is I win on the kite scale. So yeah. If you had to put like heads in order of yeah. size between you, Matt Dever, yeah. and Harry Maguire, what's the one, two, three? I'd say I'd probably come a close second. Who's top? Dever. He's big, isn't it? <laughs> Huge, isn't it, mate? Yeah. yeah. In ratio towards body Matthew's size. Matthew's found the Davison, he's so loyal to him, he would yeah. not say a single word about it. Yeah, but. He's frightened that Mark Devil point out his receding hairline. <laughs> <laughs> right, so we're here to talk about whatever. Yeah. We have no script, we've nothing. Yeah. We're doing this on the fly because that's what we're like. Yeah. So I suppose the question that most people want to know mm. uh, from you is why do you hate middle class people so much? <laughs> <laughs> that is a popular misconception. <laughs> I love middle class people. Uh, I love them so much. A married one. Yeah, me too. And I'm and I'm raising two. I've got two yeah, middle class me daughters. Too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So my issue isn't with the middle class. Uh, my issue is with a lack of representation of working class in our uh, UK churches. So that's my issue: a lack of representation, a lack of outreach to and support for working class Christians. But do you really think there's a lack of outreach to um, communities? Because there's lots of stuff going on in our communities, right? Flipping. School clubs and parachurch mm. stuff. There's nothing gospel though, is there? There's there's lots of stuff happening in council estates. There, bus people in for a day or a night. Uh, often we'll see a watered down gospel, uh, and then they nap off again. Uh, my experience is I see people on 
council estates hit by either parachurch organisations or churches where they'll do an outreach night and people make a profession of faith and then they leave them there on that estate without any discipleship, without any good teaching and uh, more often than not in my context without even hearing the full gospel. So often what I find is people hear that Jesus is a saviour but very rarely hear that he's a Lord and uh, we've got lots of people who come looking for a fairy godmother. A bit like myself when I was saved I thought Jesus was a fairy godmother who would come and, and remove my problems um, and it was a long time before I realised that my main problem was sin and that I needed rescuing from sin and myself rather than the environment that I was living in. So you were a bouncer when you were converted, right? Yeah, that's right, yeah, yeah. Flipping, snorting, half of Columbia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And so, you know, you're a big lad, right? Mm. So, quite intimidating if you wanted to be. Mm. So how did, like, you cope in churches when you were first converted then? Were you in a council estate church? Were you in mm. the class church? I mean, what was the crack? <laughs> The church building was on a council estate, but the right. church was middle class. <laughs> so I'd attended that church as a child uh, when my mum my was a single mum. She came to faith and I went and there was a couple of us off the estate. The youth group was predominantly uh, middle class. Uh, the elders and deacons, children, uh, doing well at school. And if a window got broke, then the finger would be pointing at us off the estate. and. Uh, there was a clear distinction between the estate kids and the middle class kids and uh, a lot of the kids that I was knocking around with were, were up to no good and having a sneaky little fag and stuff and I thought I can just hang around with my mates and do sin properly, I'm not going to mess about and do it half-heartedly. So uh, the church didn't really know how to deal with us uh, but also I was attracted to sin so I'm not going to blame the church for me going off and having a life of madness because uh, I don't think they helped, I don't think they presented the gospel well and I don't think that church represented what church should be uh, but I, I chose to follow my mates and uh, uh, started taking drugs about 14 and I was attracted to uh, party lifestyle uh, yeah I, I, I wanted to fit in so I didn't come from the council estate that I, I'd moved around from a few council estates when I was first uh, brought up we lived on a nice estate in the country a nice private house private estate my dad had a good job and then my mum and dad split up and I ended up on a council estate. So from day one, I was a target because I dressed different. I spoke different. I had a woolly back accent and uh, yeah, I was a target for bullies. So I spent a lot of my life hiding from bullies. And then as I grew in size, I started to throw my weight about a bit and try and impress people. And I just masked my fears and uh, my pain with drugs and drink and, and looking for excitement with women and um, so you're telling us you were a secret posh boy? That what you're telling I me? was a secret posh boy, yeah, yeah. Well, I wasn't. My dad was working class, but he had a good... He had a, That's what all posh uh, dads say, to justify uh, it. No, he was. My dad's proper working class. He's a proper, like, yeah, uh, yeah, chav. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but my mum wasn't. My mum come from, uh, yeah, she, she had quite a, a blessed upbringing. Right. Uh, so she probably had quite a few middle... We were probably raised with a few middle class values, to be honest, but on a council estate. Uh, my brother's a proper chav, more than I am. Uh, I want to get back to the church question in a minute, but middle class values, right? Mm. What is middle class and what is working class? What does that mean? Because a lot of guys get, they, you know, they get confused. They see guys around here who've got like, got beamers in their driveway mm. and yeah. flat screen TVs and, and yeah. money in their pocket. And they're like, how's that working class? Yeah. 
And again, so working class, from when I was growing up, my dad was working class. He was involved in the strikes. He worked in the steel mills from the age of 14. He was dragged up. He, he was raised in poverty, my dad. My family come from Glasgow. Uh, uh, I think it's Drumchapel, they were from originally. Uh, my granddad left home because at 14 and joined the, the Merchant Navy during the war because of the violence at home. So my dad's upbringing was horrendous. My granddad's upbringing was horrendous, but they had a work ethic and they had aspirations to uh, earn money. So they wanted to work hard and play hard. Uh, my dad, yeah, funny, he actually bought his first house because he was uh, had a fight and got pushed through a chip shop window <laughs> and nearly died and got compensation. Uh, so he, that, we used that to buy, put that on a deposit for the hmm. first house. So that's how we ended up living on a nice estate nice. with compensation money. Uh, actually, most of the money came because I think the hospital left a needle in his leg after they stitched up. <laughs> so that's where most of the compensation came. So ordinarily, we, we had my family had a leg up into literally yeah, yeah leg up into uh owning that first home so i think the aspirations when i was growing up working class was you'd work hard and, and you'd move up you'd you'd join uh oh, what did i just say you'd become like my dad became like the shop steward of the uh oh, what's it called the unions the unions yeah yeah so he was heavily involved in the unions the whole families were and 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 it was who you knew in those days you could rise up the ranks earn a few quid mm -hmm. There was a few things on the side that you could do to earn a few more quid as well. So that was working class when I was growing up. Uh, I use working class now probably loosely and wrongly because a lot of the people that I'm talking about when I'm talking about working class are people who have probably not worked, third generation, unemployed, from the same estates, same background as me, but they've been on benefits. Uh, a lot of people who I've worked with uh, sign on, and that's a long-term thing for them they'll make a few quid by maybe selling a few drugs or a bit of wheeling and dealing selling cars buying a scrappy one doing one up uh, so I, yeah so, so i think the definitions changed i think it's not so much how much money you've got people drive around posh, dla everyone knows how to play the system everyone's on dla or a carer so they don't have to work but they double the benefits and so there's lots of people in our area doing that the actual uh, they're not actually in poverty Materially, they've got the latest phone and the TV, but I think a lot of it can be aspirationally, can be access. So you have a choice of a family uh, of four, mum and dad, do you go and work for minimum wage or on a zero-hour contract, lose all your benefits and struggle, or do you stay on benefits? There's no options, uh, especially in Middlesbrough, very limited. Uh, the main employer is probably retail or hospital, and most people from the area, if they work in the hospital, would be unskilled like porters or cleaners or yeah yeah so when i think of working class now so historically when 80s right you think mm. of the miners and mm. the guys in the factories but they're gone and so when i think of working class now i think of cleaners mm. yeah low paid manual yeah, yeah jobs um because you know historically like i i, I you know i, I mean I, my families have never owned a, the houses and stuff yeah. like that so <clears throat> but someone who owned their house mm. It's middle class. That yeah. was it. That's how you defined it. You 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 own your own house, and mm -hmm. you know you got a few, you got a car and all that. Yeah. You're rich. You're doing well. But now we just sort of because we we've got so many material things. Yeah, I think it's blurred class distinctions because it's not about money, is it? I think it's mentality. Because most of our lads yeah. probably got more disposable income <laughs> than we've got. Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> Yeah, and especially we have, we have lads coming to us, spending time in our house who, like you say, have more disposable, but they're out every night having takeaways or 
getting taxis everywhere. So what's the mentality, do you think, difference? It's live for today, isn't it? It's, it's, it's disposable. It's uh, have fun today, worry about... A class do that as well, right? Yeah, but they still snort. They still snort Charlie. They just yeah. do it in wine bars instead of working men's clubs. Yeah, but they have pensions as well, don't they? And they have, they have, they have, they have, they have a, in. I think they they have the same sin, the same desires, but they have a little protection policy, a little insurance policy. So when they get to fifty, they don't want to be snorting coke in a wine bar. They've can go on. Aye, but our lads have pension policies. Policies, don't you think? A few grand shoved under the floorboards and that. Just a different policy, right? <laughs> yeah, but I, I think. Some of that, some some of them do have. Uh... Let me ask you another question, right? Yeah. So, Geezer walks into your church. Mm -hmm. Can you tell on meeting them mm. if they're working class or middle class? Some as I see them, yeah, I can see. How? It's funny. We had some Americans over discussing this, and uh, so, so I've got an assistant who you affectionately call uh, Prince Harry, and Harold. Harold. And there's two lads who, who we've met from the football team have come along to the church and the Americans have said, uh, how did he get involved with the church? And they said, because of me, because I look like them. Uh, they said if Nathan was the only minister there, they wouldn't have gone because he looked like posh waffle. And uh, <laughs> which basically means talks yeah. a lot of posh nonsense. And uh, posh he, he was quite offended and he thought, well, they would talk to me more because I'm their age and look similar. I'm, I'm almost twice their age. But they could see that I was like them. I look like them. Uh, uh, the way ugly, we, ugly lads then. Ugly, ugly, big, fat, ugly ball lads. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the way we carry ourselves, the way we, we wear, people could wear the same clothes, but the way you wear it, the way you walk, the, the way you carry yourself, the way you talk, uh, the faces you pull. Uh, yeah, it, it's, it's just, you can see it. And the same for me, I went to St. Helens in London with Nathan and another guy called Duncan. And uh, straight after the service, everyone turned and spoke to Nathan and Duncan and avoided me because they thought I was probably going to mug them or something like that. So we, 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 like attracts like, doesn't it? And uh, you're drawn to people who make you feel comfortable, who, who, who are like you. Uh, and that's no different from uh, somebody in a suit being attracted to somebody in a suit than somebody in a hoodie being attracted to somebody in a hoodie. I think it's very visual. So going back to my original question then, what, what's it been like sort of spiritually growing up in the in a majority culture churches well my first experience was as a kid like i said it was awful i'd i, I was made to feel like the i mean as you went into adulthood yeah 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 so so my so my impression as a, as a kid was, was 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 bad and i didn't expect to i thought it was because i was a kid and then one of the estate kids that I got checked differently. So when I was going in as an adult, I didn't expect, I thought it would be different, but it was just the same. And that's what shocked me because if, it, if you've got naughty kids or kids who behave a bit different. But like you say, I, I went into church and I'm like 20 stone, skinhead. In my head, I'm speaking really gently to somebody. <laughs> in reality, I'm sounding like I want to kill them. Uh, so there's a cultural class I, I can be intimidated. Why, why do we look angry? Because uh, we're not angry, are we? No, no, no. I just say to the girls, I'm just concentrating. Yeah, but she said, but they say, is. you always look angry all the time. Yeah. Why is that? Yeah, I, I don't know. It's just, I don't know if it's years of, of being angry and now we're Christians, we're not. We've just, our faces stuck that way. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. In Middlesbrough, everyone looks angry. Like, in the shops. Like you were in a hotel, weren't you? And you asked mm -hmm. for a menu. Like, what do you want a menu for? The food's over there. 
<laughs> that woman. Well, I laughed. I found that hilarious. Yeah, well, that's customer service. She wasn't being rude. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Anybody else would have thought, flipping next, she's kicking off. Yeah. But that was just there being helpful. I remember um, when I took the girls abroad once to um, Disney World years ago and they were kids and they were like, Dad, why is everybody being so nice? Because <laughs> not everywhere's like Scotland, but. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it is, and we have to forget because we've got a lot of indigenous people. So, so here it is. So, I went into a church where everyone would say nice things. You have to come round for your tea. You'll have to come round for a meal. I'll give you a ring. And they lying, said all right? the nice things. Yeah, out the backsides. They're saying all the nice things and make you feel good. But after six weeks, you're thinking, where's that phone call? Give me a ring, we'll catch up. And then you're ringing and ringing and ringing and ringing and they never find time for you. So, I found initially everyone's really polite and excited to see you. Yet, over time, you still haven't built any relationships. You know, one of the things it took me as a young Christian, and even now, to sometimes I forget, and I've been a Christian 20 years, one of the big things that I took me a long time to understand was this mm -hmm. thing of, why are they lying to me? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Come round means don't come round. Yeah. I'll call you means I am never calling you yeah. in my entire existence. And um, if you ask them a question and they don't give you a direct answer, and where... Um, we're much more black and white, right? Yeah. You're going to well, come round, come round, right? That's what you do. I went and met some people in, in London and uh, met them for a coffee and I had another meeting in two hours' time and, and, and this middle-class guy said to me, anyway, Ian, I know you're busy, I'll let you go. I went, nah, I'll have another coffee if you're getting them in. So he got me another coffee and I'm with Nathan, Prince Harry, and he's like looking and uh, he went, Anyway, and I'm, I'll, I'll let you go. Oh, I'll, my round, I'll get the coffees in. And I sat there, and Nathan was like, he wants to go. I said, I know he does. And I won't let him go till he says, I've got to go. <laughs> and and did he say, I've got to go? After about an hour, <laughs> he said, oh, I'm going to have to go. And I went, oh, nice, see you later then. And I just thought that was me being cheeky. I'd been mentored by you for a while, so that came out, I think. But, but that is a very stark difference. I think one of the yeah. problems middle class churches can't communicate with our guys is, yeah. is this. I really do, is this. Yeah. It's the, the way they, that whole culture operates and talks. Yeah, yeah. And how our culture operates and talks. Yeah. So for me, what, how we might speak, middle class people would find rude. But it makes me feel relaxed because uh, I know where I stand. Whereas with middle-class people, I very often I struggle to know where I stand with middle-class people because I'm always thinking. So when they say, oh, help yourself means, like, don't take any of the mine. <laughs> and we're like, 30... For some reason, middle-class people put, like, 30 biscuits on a plate and yeah. are shocked when 30 biscuits get it. <laughs> if you only want 10 biscuits to be get, just put 10 biscuits out. <laughs> so uh, that's what I find strange. Uh, but if somebody said, do you want one? Like hands off, fatty. Do you know what I mean? I'm, 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 I'm cool with that because what I'd hate is to overstay my welcome. But when people say, "Oh, take as long as you want," and they're yawning. By the way, I know you've got to go. You've got to train soon. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, don't worry. I'll get the next one. <laughs> yeah. So that communication thing is 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 a massive one, really, for uh, I think conflict and confusion. And feeling like you're being lied to. I'd much rather have somebody be straight with me. You can be honest without being rude. And I think some people find us rude because we're honest. Sometimes we are rude, but we don't mean to be. And uh, but, uh, but sometimes we mean to be. But yeah, sometimes we mean to be. But can get away with it because they think, oh, they're just working class. It's, they don't mean it. <laughs> but just, you know, 
In terms of when you first went to church and you know started listening, I mean, I got I was in a very conservative evangelical mm. church, fifty minute expository sermons. Yeah, I mean, I'd never sat through a thing in my life, really. Mm. Um, how did you, how did you find? Because you, you said in a bit of a different context to me, right? Mm. More charismatic, is that yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So h how did you find like? the culture of church itself because for me it was so alien it was just the weirdest thing ever yeah it was funny so i think the charismatic what the charismatic church i got at is reaching lads like us and making them feel more welcome yeah so is it still exists that church it does yeah there's uh, so so the church i went to initially uh i moved on to to, oh, to right. a larger charismatic church and uh those two men I thought I needed a rehab. They met with me, chatted with me, and they said, look, I don't think you need rehab. We'll find you a flat and, and we'll support you. So they got me a flat about 20 miles from where I used to live and they'd meet with me in the morning and pray with me and do a Bible study with me and they'd meet me up on an evening. So I knew even if I was tempted to go and get off my face, I knew the next morning mm -hmm. they'd be waking me up at six to pray. So it kind of put me off. And although if I was tempted on uh, betraying God, I was I couldn't be bothered with getting woke up at six o'clock in the morning. So <laughs> I didn't always not sin because it wasn't in my yeah, heart. Yeah. It was because there was uh, accountability to be had. Uh, they loved me, they served me, they helped me. Uh, but even so, it was still uh, alien. Everyone happy. I'd, I'd go in, how are you doing here? Oh, crap, you won't believe how I feel. I said this, I did that, and they'd be like, <gasps> they didn't want to know how I was doing. They were being polite. And then I started telling them how I was doing. They'd freak out, thought I needed deliverance or a psychiatrist or something like that. Uh, a lot of people would say to me, you're too honest. They'd ask me a question and I'd be uh, open and honest about pornography or something that I was struggling with like that. And, and men would run a mile. And, and, I, and, I, and I spoke to a pastor, I said, why do you think that is? And he said, well, half the church is probably struggling with pornography, but no one's sharing that mm -hmm. no one's looking for discipleship uh, that i knew i was a sinner i knew i was a scumbag i knew the way i was living my life was was destroying me and i wanted someone to help me and guide me and i, I could not find anyone to disciple me for a good uh, two or, or, or three years uh, i had two men alongside me when they moved on to have different roles and i, and I moved town uh, I, I had no one and I, and I must have struggled for about four years before i, I found a good church where both me and my wife were getting solid discipleship. Yeah, I mean, I, I remember the first, the church I was converted in. Good, listen, great church, good people, but mm. they, back then there was an AV only, organ yeah. only, <laughs> um, women wore hats and men wore suits and that. Yeah, I actually yeah. wore a shirt and tie for the first three months. Yeah. Like, can you believe that? For me. <laughs> <sighs> Still embarrassed by that period <laughs> of my life. Thankfully it was before social media. Yeah. But, um, you know, I, I didn't understand anything on a Sunday. Mm. I didn't understand that I had in the message of the sermon. Didn't yeah. know my way around about. I, I didn't. I, I knew Jack, and the only thing that saved me was an older guy, a guy called uh, Mark Trafford, actually, who took me. I went to his house every week without fail. Mm. With he went through a, a, the Bible together. Massive list of questions I had for him. Mm. Huge, and just taught me through it and worked me through it. I learned far much through that than just sitting in this sort of cold mm. space on a Sunday trying to work out what the heck is this dude saying at the yeah, front. Yeah. So, Well, again, and do you know, do you know what? There's an, there's an issue with churches in the country, but specifically in Teesside, where I think that there's quite a few working-class men uh, from drug and addiction backgrounds and violent backgrounds 
who have come to faith. And, and when they've gone to church, they haven't found that discipleship. And uh, men like us aren't a fan of authority anyway, are we? So don't know what you mean. <laughs> so, so, so if we're not getting that, and we're not getting, oh, we're getting the wrong authority where people aren't speaking into our lives wisely. Uh, what we found in Teesside is quite a lot of islands. People who become Christian haven't found the right teaching or the right discipleship in the churches and end up doing stuff on their own. So I was part of a group of men who uh, loved Jesus, loved one another, loved evangelism, loved discipleship, but we didn't have any training. There was no Bible schools and a lot of the churches weren't teaching good theology. Uh, so, so there's like dozens of men that I can think of who love Jesus, who, who, who are following him, who are evangelizing, but just haven't got that training. And uh, the churches are geared up for this kind of polite middle class Christianity and not equipped to deal they either through lack of knowledge or lack of desire to actually sit down with somebody and, and help explain how the Bible applies to your life, to your addictions, to your struggles, to your temper and things like that. So talking about just training and stuff, because we both had various levels of training. Mm. Um, how did you get involved in training, theological training, and what was your experience of it? Right. In the area where I come from, uh, if you've been involved in drugs or violence, pretty quickly when you get saved, you're shoved up the front to share your testimony. Yeah. And I became a bit of a trophy boy. And what do you think of that? I think that's a really. I don't let. Yeah. I don't like to let my guys do it for the first year that they're yeah. saved. I do, I'm not. A f I, I don't encourage it. F full stop. Just because of the area that I'm in, I don't think it's helpful. Uh, if somebody from my church visited another part of the country, then fair enough. But at the moment, no one shares testimonies in our church. We'll do it in house group and one-to-one. -one. But there's an exploitation in Teesside of people who were shoved up uh, preaching the testimony for six months and then falling back into drugs, going back to jail. It's mm. just exploitative. Uh, and people aren't encouraged to, to preach. So they'll be encouraged to share the testimony and then they'll get the posh dude up to talk about the Bible. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, so that was what I was doing. And then I quickly went from sharing my testimony to, to them preaching with no training. Didn't, I wasn't taught how to exegete the Bible. So what were you preaching then? Uh, I was reading the passage and telling people what I thought it meant and what God had spoken. In a church? In, in a church, yeah. Who, what, in, what nut job let you get away with that? About 15 churches in Middlesbrough. Unbelievably. Unbelie and nationally, I was going places nationally. Yeah, preaching. And you thought you were smashing it? Until I read a passage about heresy. <laughs> and then as I'm preaching, I thought, how do I know I'm not a heretic? So what's the first passage you ever preached on? Uh, I think it was Ephesians. I guarantee you were a heretic. Yeah, no, I was. It was on how Ephesians 3, funnily enough. Right. Uh, is it verse 14? I was about how wide, how high, how wide, how deep is the love of God. And I totally preached that out of context. And it was an emotional... Uh, you cried, didn't you? I cried, yeah, yeah. And, and, I, and, I, and I, yeah, so I preached it with passion, but with absolutely no context and nobody, or accuracy. Nobody gave you feedback. Like, told me it was wonderful. Every time I preached, people told me it was wonderful because they were either entertained or because I was a decent speaker. I wasn't a very good preacher because I talked nonsense, but I was passionate and excited and encouraging. I was more of a motivational speaker than a preacher, to be honest. It's probably this true for lots of guys in pulpit <laughs> today. And, and, and when I finished preaching, I had this conviction that, do you know what, how do I know what I'm preaching is true? There's a, there's a consequence for me getting up here 
and being a heretic. So I, I sought out some teaching. And the only reason I joined, I'd never heard of Reformed reform theology before. I didn't have a clue about Calvin or uh, the Reformation or anything. Uh, but I ended up on an FIEC-sponsored uh, training course in Yorkshire, uh, the Christian Ministry Training Course. The only reason I took it was because it was local and it was cheap. Uh, but f And the other reason, God's providence. Amen, <laughs> brother. Amen. So I, I quickly went on this training course, which was attended by professionals. Uh, they were all working, our full-time students, a couple of guys like Oxford. If you, went to, if you went to Durham Uni, you were seen as thick on this course. I was stood out like To be sort. fair, you are pretty thick <laughs> if you go to Durham Uni. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I really, really struggled, but I got a good foundation and uh, I learnt what exegesis is. And uh, that helped me on my, my, my way. Not be a heretic. Not to be See, a heretic. See, my first sermon, can you believe this? Was it Bible, I've been saved about a year. Is it? Bible college, and they made me preach Revelation <laughs> chapter three. Yeah. I had to wear a suit, yeah. and I must have lost about three stone in sweat <laughs> up the yeah. front. Yeah. Absolutely bottle crashed it. First time I led a service, I went to this big church, must have been two or three hundred people there, mm. and um, I never led a service before. Yeah. So I, I thought, right, I'll just find this up. There was an old hymn book, mm. hymns of praise, something old, and uh, I'm like, I'll just pick loads of old hymns and that because they'll all know that. So I picked all these hymns, I got to the front. I'm like, right, let's let's crack out some hymns and that. <laughs> some of you look like you were born yeah. when these were first written, right? <laughs> oh, nothing, right? <laughs> just everyone just looking at me. Yeah. And then this guy cranks out this tune on a piano, this first one, and nobody knew it. <laughs> and I died on my backside in yeah. front of about 300 people, and no one helped me. Yeah. And I just stood there. I'm like. Uh, anybody got any favourites they'd like to sing? Like at the end, right? When it was over, I, I mean, I died. At the end, when it was over, no one made any eye contact with me. Yeah. They knew I died, so, oh, it was awful, mate. Absolutely died on my feet. That's why I'm like every week leading the service. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, I've got an aversion to leading after yeah. that. Oh, I hate it. It's funny, I, I, I don't like preaching till I start preaching. Terrified of it. I just thought I'd been at the front. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm as believe it or not, quite introverted. I like being on my own. and Yeah. So getting up, the thought of preaching makes me feel sick. Uh, and then I just have to, I can't even think about it till I'm preaching. So preaching style then, because mm. early days, yeah, I was like taught to preach a certain way. Mm. Very methodical and this and three points and a structure and, mm. you know, logic and... Yeah, you know the usual yeah, yeah. stuff you hear up and down the country. It was really, you know, I, I, I was a minority guy in a majority middle class cultural setting, being taught their ways, being taught by these guys, and forcing to have to adapt to that. Did you f experience that? Not to start with, obviously, because I, I, I had you're a heretic. Training. Yeah, yeah, I was a her heretical motivational speaker. Uh, but after I trained, I soon assimilated to the guys I was trained with, that I was being taught with. To be fair, one of the lecturers had said to me, look, take the skills that we're teaching you away, but don't lose your personality. And I didn't realise what he meant. Until... I was totally opposite. Yeah, yeah. Strange, isn't it? Funny, isn't it? Where this guy could see uh, what I had naturally was beneficial to my preaching. I yeah. just needed to understand how to preach yeah. and to keep that. I was told, don't use colloquialism, don't use yeah. your street slang. Yeah. I mean, something that is probably pretty helpful. Yeah. 
Uh, don't swear in the pulpit. That's obviously quite a helpful one. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, so I think the first few years, oh, looking back now, like, yeah. must have been pretty rigid. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I started dressing differently, started preaching from a Bible that I wouldn't Did you wear really pink trousers? Green. Green, green flares. <laughs> Nice. Yeah, and a silk shirt with Pure a button Anglican, undone. Eh? Yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, no, I, I I really assimilated to the culture I was talking to, and uh, and lost my wife. Even my wife, who'd been to church a lot longer than I had, one day had said, "I don't have a clue what you were talking about, and why have you started wearing brown jackets and brown ties? You look like a freak." And uh, you sound I, like a social worker. Brown jackets and brown yeah, ties. And my little. Bifocals. <laughs> you got but, pictures uh, of this stuff? No, 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 no. That it's was not... before social media as well. Praise the Lord, right? Yeah, Praise yeah. the Lord we are at a certain age where our humiliations will not haunt yeah. us too much. But, uh, yeah, so so I did. I, I assimilated. And then when I realised that I couldn't even reach my wife with the gospel, then I wasn't going to reach lads like me. If, 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 if I'm preaching over the head of my wife who's middle class, I'm going to reach the working class lads. So I had to strip everything back. And go. And was there a kickback from that? Uh, do you know what there wasn't? And do you know the reason why? It was because I wasn't the, because of the lack of gospel preaching in Middlesbrough. There wasn't. But if I was preaching in the circles I was moving yeah. in were very different. Yeah, yeah. Theological reformed mm-hmm. Baptistic guys. Um, you know who would. They decimate you if you pronounced a word wrong yeah. or there was a syllable out of place. Mm. So I was under massive pressure constantly. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And so it took me it took me years to find my voice, my yeah. preaching voice. Mm-hmm. I think I think because I was doing a, a church planting as well in an area where we started with brand new believers. So my church only know my type of preaching really. Uh, yeah, well, we encourage them to watch decent preachers like yourself <laughs> yeah. and stuff like that. <laughs> so, so we do. We do. We 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 signed up to biblicaltraining.org, and I try to get them to watch different styles of preachers because I want them to understand that uh, they've got to adapt. Like I, I want the middle class to adapt Who's your to favorite us. Favorite preacher. My favorite preacher. Uh, Apart from me, obviously. Yeah, I'm trying to think of of, of uh, uh, I like Vordy. I like, I like, like Body Buckham, yeah, 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 yeah. I like, like some of his stuff. I've never heard him you know, preach. Jono, Jono, I like him. I've listened to some of Jono's stuff. Jono Mucekwa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like Big some Johnny O. Yeah, Big yeah. shout out to Johnny O. Yeah, he's a good guy. So, really helpful, sir. And we listened to last, actually, when Rich was struggling with the death of a father. He was sharing about the death of his brother and he cries like me, so. I was with him. Yeah, I yeah. was with him the day his brother died. Oh, yeah, wow. So, we were doing a, we were supposed to be, we were at TGC. Yeah. Doing a, um. A breakout together, and all of a sudden he just disappeared. Yeah. I'm like, where's Johnny O gone? And mm. I had to do it on my own. And um, found out afterwards he just discovered mm. that his brother had died in there. Wow. Tragically, yeah. big Johnny O, good shout out, big Johnny O, preaching. Yeah, and I think I'd probably go for more uh, like African American preachers because I think H. B. Charles. Have you heard of him? I have. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's a don, by the way. Uh, the people who preach with emotion. If if they if I'm feeling what they're feeling, if they're feeling the passage. And I'm feeling. I think that's a big. I think there's a big cultural yeah. 
similarity between working class people and the African Americans. You heard Doug Logan preach. Uh, Doug Logan, he's a he's, he's a, an absolute yeah. legend. He's off his tatties, right? But That's I love that guy. I seen him preaching in this Presby Church, right? They're all sat up behind him, presumably with the presbyter's elders, yeah, whatever yeah. they call like that, all dicky board up and that. And he gets in with his dicky board. I thought. That's not the Doug Armit with the hoodie and the baseball yeah, cap. Yeah, yeah. And then he just smashed it. He was amazing. He's he was absolutely absolute hilarious. Geezer. He kept turning back and winking at the guys behind him. Yeah, Doug Logan, he's awesome. He's a, Leonce Crump. Uh, Do you know Leonce? I've heard of him, but I've not listened to much of his stuff now. Leonce is a geezer. Um, that was middle class. I haven't listened to any of his stuff. <laughs> oh, darling. Uh, I haven't listened <laughs> to much of his stuff. <laughs> tell you what, like, out, out with that context, yeah. and I love him, is Alistair Begg. Yeah, I listen to him all the time. He's just But a, he's UK in America, isn't he? But he's a don, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you know what I like about him? Because he illustrates everything yeah. so well. Do you know what? His method of preaching, I love, and I, and I try and style it. I, I listen mm. to him, and every time I've, I've wrote a sermon, I try and listen to the passage after I've done it to right. see if I can take anything from what he said. Right. And uh, his illustrations, like he talks about, it's either Scottish stuff from like 1920 yeah, or, yeah, yeah. or... Loves the Rangers, dude. Yeah, it's just like cricket as well or something. I've heard some... Like, I don't think he likes cricket. Yeah, I've heard, I've heard I, some I'd be disappointed if he likes cricket. <laughs> Someone find out if yeah. he likes cricket. If he is, that's his off my preaching list. He, he's, uh, he's he, yeah. He's, he's a don though, right? Oh, he is. He's awesome. But he's illustrate the way he illustrates, I love it. I love it. He just don't Stuart Olliott was a guy who taught me. Yeah. Oh Welsh dude, you heard favorite, of him? Yeah, favorite book is is his. Ministering like the master, that was. And there's one, another one called Preaching. I think it's Pure and Simple, right? Which is basically what I did because I had to do it for my with my masters under him, and it was yeah. that's what he taught preaching. But he's a bit. Um, what I like about there's a program on telly years ago. I call the Demon Headmaster. Right. See, BBC. He looks like the Demon Headmaster. He used to get yeah. stopped in the street all the time. He's quite a severe-looking dude, Stuart, but yeah. he's a don. And another guy who really surprised me hmm. is Dick Lucas. Right. Yeah, I've listened to a couple of his stuff. So he there. came to Morlands. I studied at Morlands College um, back in the day. Uh, he, my preaching lecturer invited this old geezer, and he said, "Look." It was next to that class. He said, come in and listen to this guy. He's good. And I, saw, I came in and this little dude shuffles in with his glasses and a cardigan. I mm. said, what an absolute stiff. Yeah. I'll give it, um, he's got two minutes. Yeah. And I'm out of the room. Anyway, opens up his Bible and his first comment was just to destroy <laughs> every youth worker in the building. <laughs> yeah, right. So he loved him just and for I'm that. And I'm just like, <laughs> settle down, son. Yeah, yeah. He was really offensive, but yeah. in the poshest way possible yeah. and then I just listened to him for an hour I was like probably the greatest lecture I'd heard in three years of theological mm. training on taking the Bible apart and so yeah Dick Lucas yeah. is another Don but so yeah so lots of lots of different Washer. I think what we can learn from Washer as well I, I like really listen to Paul so yeah, I like yeah, Paul yeah. read his books and that yeah. and I watched watch that mental sermon he did when he went nuts on people to the youth to the youth workers yeah but I've never really, um, never really, not because I've not yeah. got into it, I've just never really listened to. Um, yeah. my, my wife idolises him. I've got a like, limit of viewing. What do you think of John MacArthur on that? I don't really listen to, to John MacArthur. I like reading his stuff. Yeah. Apart from his eschatology. Yeah. A bit... I've, got, I've, got, I've got, I'm a bit of a closet charismatic, so I. <laughs> I keep away from so you've got a charismatic agenda, is that what you're telling <laughs> I've me? I've got a sneaky charismatic <laughs> agenda, yeah. So, who are you telling me then? Uh, what's his name? Mad, Mad Nuts, what's he called, that nut job? Who, Benny Inn? 
You like a bit of Benny, do you? I love a bit of Benny Hinn. And, uh, that guy who beats people. What's oh, he called? Todd, Todd Bentley. Todd Bentley. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You'd give him a licking, wouldn't oh, you, after Jesus? Yeah, yeah, You'd yeah, definitely yeah, give him yeah. a bit of hiding. Make a fortune selling books after And then the there's some geezer who looks, jumps about in America. Some white guy lives in a massive mansion. and They all do, the, don't they? It's weird stuff. Yeah, I don't yeah. know. Well, that's, do you know what? That's what's killing our council estates. Because what people like to do is stay in bed on the morning and watch a God channel instead of going to do church. You know, uh, yeah. That, uh, first what? few years, I had to constantly mm. preach and talk about people yeah. on the God channel. Yeah, yeah. Like, no, people were getting really offended, like, mm. by absolute whack jobs yeah, yeah. on the God channel. Yeah, so tell me one charismatic guy who's good. But I've got to try and keep this balance. I want a bit of pushback. Yeah. John says, have a bit of pushback and have a bit of debate, yeah. you know. Tell me one. John Piper, is he charismatic -y? Uh, like John Piper? Yeah, I do. I do. To be honest, I do. He's probably more charismatic than I thought he was. When I was charismatic, he was probably very, very reformed and conservative. Yeah. But I'd say he's probably the most charismatic. Uh, Grudem. Grudem's kind of, I'd say he's like a safe charismatic. I never heard him preach. Yeah, uh, yeah. He's, uh, he's, He's balanced, is what I like. He probably wouldn't say he's charismatic, but he's open, he's balanced, he gives a good... Because I've got Pentecostal background, you see, I've come from and and, and I, I kind of so swung... So I better keep an eye on you, is what you're yeah, telling me, I right? swung the other way, and I'm hopefully somewhere in the middle now. Uh, I think you're coming over to the dark side. <laughs> come on, sir. <laughs> Moments come in these waters. Yeah. But the funny thing is, if you were in my church, you'd think I was a Satanist. Yeah, yeah, if you're in my church, you think I was charismatic. Yeah. No, 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 no. If you come along to the church, the church service would seem as if, you know, the way I preach, uh, the way we worship and stuff like that. I'm Why? Bad. Because if the Holy Spirit's going to move, he doesn't need any prompting from me, does he? So I just preach the gospel and see what the Lord does. And uh, as far as I'm concerned, the most important thing I want to see the Holy Spirit do is open these people's hearts to the gospel so that they're saved and that they're grown in love and knowledge of him. And if there's any signs and wonders and miracles to be had, then I think the greatest miracle that I'm looking for is salvation and to see revival in the town. And anything else would be a bonus. And uh, there's a massive focus in Teesside on signs and wonders. So for me, it's something that I just avoid because uh, it just avoids confusion between. Then I'd have to start comparing other Christians who I know and other churches. And it, it, yeah, We've had a few guys come to Nidri over the years trying yeah. to bring their nonsense with them yeah, yeah. so well i've had you a know, few personally i'm not a cessationist but yeah, yeah. W you know we don't yeah but i think I've, out of six elders three are cessationist and three are not yeah i pray for healing for friends and family daily uh, i expect miracles and uh and i trust that god does what he does for a reason and how have we got here from whatever we've got? I don't know, it was just like the waffle, don't we? At the start, I was worried. I was like, no script, what we're going to talk about. <laughs> but we're never well, stuck How long have we been now? It's about 50 minutes, isn't it? So what we're going to do is, well, let's yeah. just call it to an end there. Yeah. I've been prompted by the Spirit supernaturally yeah. <laughs> to miraculously bring this one to a close. Yeah. That's another thing us working class don't do, is actually finish any of our... We've started out 10 subjects and never finished one. Yeah, but I just do that. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> just to keep you on your toes. Yeah. We've gone all over the block. I'm not even sure we've talked about anything significantly important. But no. Just had a laugh, though, haven't we? Yeah. Thanks, bud. <laughs>